Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Detoxing from Religion. And you need to detox from religion as much as you need to detox from alcohol or whatever it is that you're hooked on, prescription drugs, whatever. And in the detox process, there is that battle. There's that rehab. There's that, uh, there is that detox process where you have to let go of that toxicity's grip on you and let it go and then rebuild your life again. And that's what this place is all about, is rebuilding your spiritual life on the finished work of Jesus rather than what you think you need to do to get there. Because there is no there, is there? I mean, there just is no there. The there is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? So we started out in um, talking about toxic beliefs drive destructive behavior. We went through a couple of examples, things like, that you either are still a sinner or you're just a sinner saved by grace, which sounds, you know, kind of humble, but you are not. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You might happen to choose sin sometimes, which is the only reason that you ever sin as a believer is because you want to. You like it, it feels good, or it's, not, it's, it's programmed in there and you hadn't figured out a different way to live, but it's not natural for you. How many of you feel bad when you sin? Of course you do, because it's not your nature any longer. And the title of last week was Breaking Your Addiction to Self-Righteousness. Now, see, we're addicted to self-righteousness, but we don't really realize that we are. You would never say, oh, I kept the law really good this week. Lord God, high and almighty, now you owe me. You owe me a blessing because I was sinless this week. How many of you would do that? Right. But you might say, my life's going really bad right now. God, what did I do for you to allow this into my life? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever looked at your life and said, what did I do, God, for you to allow this happen in my life? Now, it can be an authentic question in the sense that I realize that I might need to change something, but to ask the question, why, is my, why are you allowing this in my life, God, shows that you are still self-righteous. You think that how God is treating you is based on your behavior. Now, the law of sowing, sowing and reaping is absolutely in effect. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow, absolutely. But it is not God putting difficulty into your life. Now, persecution's different. God calls you to something, you stand up, you go preach the gospel. Adversity happens to you, that's being persecuted for the word's sake. But flat tires, job loss, I mean, I hate to lump cancer with flat tire, but we do that. Like, we look at, the, oh, gosh, I got a flat tire. God, why? As if he's done it. I mean, I'm not saying God's not going to flatten your tire to save you from a wreck. We'll just leave that part up to him. But in general, asking God, why your life is in the condition that it's in puts a self-righteousness mindset out there that shows that you're thinking that God's relating to you based on your behavior. He is not. And then the next one, we came down to this idea, how we ended, 
Don't ask God, why did this happen? Ask him, how will you lead me out? And we looked at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, James 1, 13. He says, uh, when the temptation comes, which is also translated as trial, temptation, James and James 1 says, count it all joy when it comes because you'll learn patience. 1 Corinthians 13 says, when it comes, he will also make a way of escape. But James says, don't say it's from God. Say, don't say it's from God. I, I can tell you how religious you are. Meaning, you know, religion being what you think you have to do to keep God happy or become holy or righteous. Because I can ask you, start talking to you about tests and trials and look at two scriptures and where your brain goes with it will show me the degree to which you have been conditioned to believe that tests and trials are from God. They are not. Okay, so next one. Today we're going to talk about living from inner balance. You can go to the next one. So we're talking about the idea of addiction, right? How many of you know somebody or have a background of addiction in some capacity? Yeah, many of us. Substance abuse, porn, whatever it might be, some kind of addiction is in our lives. Most, and so what I want to do today is look at how the, the, the clinical world deals with addiction. How the clinical world, the, the, the medical world, the rehabilitation world deals with addiction. Mostly we look at it as substance abuse, but we can learn some parallels to show how our minds are actually addicted to religion, addicted to a way of thinking that thinks that God is relating to you based on your behavior. Now, we don't want to dismantle that so that you can just go and sin and not feel guilty about it. That's not the point. The point is to lift the, the sense of obligation off of you so that you live from a true heart of obedience toward God because it's who you are, naturally desiring what He desires rather than just doing the right thing because you think you're trying to please God or some kind of thing that you have to do as obligation. Does that make sense? So religion is constantly telling you you're not enough, isn't it? You're never enough under religion, under the mindset that your behavior will get you somewhere with God or get you higher or closer to Him or more holy or more righteous, religion constantly creates a sense of lack within you in whatever level it might be. You know, the Baptist background, the lack that it creates is, well, maybe you're not saved because you sinned this week, so get saved again next week. Get baptized again next week. So you're getting saved over and over and over and over and over. Charismatics, you're not getting enough miracles. Maybe, therefore, you need more anointing. You ever been there? Maybe I need to get more purified, so let me go, let me fast so that I can get more power. You don't say it that way, but that's what you think. I'm never there. I got to get more. I got to get more. We're going to deal with that this week. So I want to talk about the idea of homeostasis. If you've ever been through rehab, you've ever worked in a clinical setting of helping people break free from addiction, you're, under, you're familiar with this word, homeostasis. Homeostasis is the goal. Homeostasis is the idea of you having an inner balance within you where you can choose how you're going to respond to the world around you. Homeostasis is kind of like a thermostat, right? We got thermostat over there on the wall. You have thermostats in your home. What does a thermostat do? It changes the environment. Because the environment's going to change, but that thermostat determines, no, I want it 72 degrees, so when it goes up, I'm going to bring it down. When it goes down, I'm going to bring it up. That's what it does. Homeostasis is that. It's an inner state of mind that 
causes you to make choices to bring you down or bring you up. Now, if your inner state of mind, your, your place of homeostasis is you feel like you deserve negativity or you don't deserve to be loved, guess what you're going to attract into your life? Or you feel like you deserve something because of this, you're always going to be disappointed, right? So what the, what the clinical world tries to do is break the chemical addiction and then rebuild the thinking inwardly to do this. This is really kind of a medical statement of what the goal of detox is and rehabilitation. The goal of detoxing from addiction, now think about how this relates to religious addiction, is to set a healthy internal constant for voluntary and involuntary responses to environment and triggers. Now, if you're familiar with that world, you understand what that means. They talk a lot about environment. Who are you hanging out with? What kind of music are you listening to? Now, see, Christians religiously would say, don't be listening to that Led Zeppelin because they put the beat on the wrong note and they'll say this word and you're going to invite demons into your life. Ooh. It's like, well, you know what? God used Led Zeppelin songs to get me saved. Anyway, we make it about the external rather than how you're responding to it. Are you with me? So environment, you have to choose. Do you know the best way to avoid sin? Do you know the absolute guarantee every time how to avoid sin? Do you know how? Avoid the opportunity. Do you know the environment's that cause you to be pinched and triggered to choose that stuff. Do you? Like, do you know what starts to create the pressure that causes those patterns to run in your mind where you're going to make those choices of destruction? Do you? Because that's where you have to discipline your life to set yourself in a place where you're not being bombarded by that junk. Now, the goal would be to get yourself to a place where you're at homeostasis inwardly and no matter what environment, you're like Jesus. Jesus said the enemy comes and he's got nothing within me. I mean, that's possible for you. Where No matter what you face, no matter what external stimulus, no matter what triggers happen, you know, do you know your triggers? Do you know what environment is destructive for you and toxic for you? And do you know what your triggers are? If you don't, it's time to spend a little bit of work on that. Not to try to get God happy, but so that you are disciplining your own heart and mind to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. That's why you avoid sin, so that your heart is soft toward Him so you can be led by Him. You don't avoid it to try to keep Him happy. God's happy. Say, God's happy. God is not codependent. You know what codependency is? Codependency is... If you're okay, I'm okay. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. A place of health is you're not okay, I'm okay. Now, if you like, invite me into your not okayness, and I will help you find some solutions, but it's not going to affect my okay. That's codependency. When you get moved and you start feeling it, now, the height of it is because you're not okay, and I'm not okay, I have to help you fix you. You ever been there? That's not God. God is not codependent. God is not worried that you got problems because he's okay. And he knows the solution. That is, you connect to his power, his grace within you, and it will transform you. 
There is no other solution that God has to offer you, and it's all wrapped up in Jesus. But our problem is, is we're all here reacting to the world, trying to think we can get better and do this and trying to find all these things. It's like you need one thing, your mind renewed to the reality that Christ is in you and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because when you actually believe that, you'll yield to him and it will change every aspect of your life. That's why we preach about it every week. I just believe that. So Christ in us is our constant. That's the word that they, they bring it down to. The, the rehabilitation world is finding a constant within you. Now, they walk you through the 12-step process. If you're not familiar with it, there's a 12-step process for detoxing and rehabilitation to try to get you to a place where you inwardly you're in control of you. And ultimately, for the believer, you want the Holy Spirit to be in control of you. Or you want to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. You want to want what the Holy Spirit wants. Amen? So how do you build that? How do you establish that new constant? Let's look at Colossians 2 because this, this is the foundation of our constant, of Jesus being our constant, the anchor of our soul. I love that. That's a poetic way to say it. Beautiful. And Chris picked that song this week. We didn't even talk about it, but it was exactly... Uh, where we're going. And that happens all the time. It's pretty cool to see because Adam would do it. Whoever was picking songs, mostly Adam, and it just kind of the song would match the message. Well, it's already happening with Chris, so that's pretty cool. All right. Therefore, ready? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, how did you receive Jesus? By faith. Did any of you get really good at keeping the law? You know, you know where I'm going with that. Anyway. By grace, through faith, so walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted. Now, just a side note. I'm going to give you some homework here. Here's your homework. Read the book of Colossians every day in a different translation. It's just a few chapters. You can do it pretty quickly. If you can't read the entire thing, at least read the first three chapters every day in a different translation. I want you to read it in a different translation because you're going to see different things and how it talks about some of these verses. So what we're doing is we're realizing that we're addicted to our own self-effort and we're addicted to the feeling of lack when we approach or stand before God. We're addicted to the idea and the reason it's an addiction is because it's unhealthy for you to stand before the Father and feel like you're not enough when He made you enough, when He gave you Jesus, when He elevated you to the same status as Jesus and put you within Him and says, you are my child. That's the constant. And when you believe that, you will live that way. Religion says the goal is over there. You get better and better and better and better and better and better, and then you reach holiness. No, you have been made holy. Now, the goal is reorganize your mind and your thinking and how you react to the world so that you live out of the power of that. It's backwards. Religion gets it backwards, doesn't it? That's why you're in this place, because we turned it around. But there are people out there that you are going to be having conversations with and you try to talk to them about this stuff. Man, that, that, man, I tell you what, religious devils are the meanest ones out there. Those legalistic suckers. Whoo! All right. Having been firmly rooted, those are the only ones that Jesus got mad at. The rest of them, he's like, you just get on at it. Go. You just go. But the religious ones, you bunch of hypocrites. I love it. 
having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Now, if you ever feel like, I just don't see God moving in my life. I just don't see things working out. I can promise you, you're not spending enough time acknowledging thankfulness. You're not spending enough time acknowledging what is going right and acknowledging what he has done for you and acknowledging why you're thankful. I mean, if you need some help, let's talk about these people suffering in Pac on Mount Paca in Kenya over there that are praying for rain, that have to hike eight hours a day to go get water and have nothing to eat, and they're starving. People that we know that we are sowing into and trying to help them. We have access to water, food, shelter. Are you kidding me? Now, I don't want to just boil it down to basics, but anyway, I'm, let's keep going. <clears throat> See to it that no one takes you captive. Right, so there's a warning. What's he warning us about? See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, that's what's prevalent in a lot of churches these days is tradition of men, especially about who you, who you are. Uh, the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world or carnal externals, rather than according to Christ. Now here's... Here's the correction for the warning. For in him, all the fullness of deity or the Godhead dwells in bodily form. So it acknowledged that Jesus is God, fully God. And in him, you have been made almost complete. In him, you're almost there. All right, what are you? Go to the next slide. This is what complete means. By the way, it's the Greek word, prerau. Who wants to say prerau? No, no takers? Okay. <laughs> it's important to know that the Bible wasn't written in English, so you can go to the original language and actually get more out of what it actually means. That's a good thing to study. I'm working on something. Most of us know how to do that, but I'm going to work on something that makes it a little more streamlined for going to original texts. But this is what the word complete means. So in him, you are complete. Now, when the Bible talks about who you are in him, it's talking about your right now current identity. Not what you're going to be, but it's a spiritual reality, but a real reality. In fact, it's more real than your temporary existence. Who you are in your spirit right now is what is going to move on forever. That's who you really are. That's the real you. Amen? The real you in him is crammed like a net, full, complete. To make full, to fill, to fill up. To cause, to abound. To furnish or supply liberally. And I like this one. To diffuse throughout one's soul. Do you get a picture of that? You can go back. And in him you have been made complete. Say complete. Now, who is he? If I'm in him, who is he? He's the head over all rule and authority. And in him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, what does this mean here? 
that in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the uncircumcision of, by the circumcision of Christ. What does that mean? What was circumcised? The body of the flesh. You got flesh, right? You got skin. Is it talking about this body? Because people will say, well, I got this flesh, so therefore I'm still sinful. That's not what that's talking about. That's talking about the kind of heart that you had or the kind of nature that you had. That's why I want you to read specifically this verse in different translations because it says it several different ways. The picture is this. God cut out away from you your darkness, your sin nature. Before this, he says, you have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. You are qualified for the inheritance you are, he has made you qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in Christ. You can't be a partaker unless you've been changed into what kind of being that you are. Remember, we're talking about setting a new normal, setting a new constant within you, that when you face the external world and your triggers, this constant within you, this identity within you determines how you respond voluntarily and involuntarily to all of this external stimulus your own mind, what you've been through in your life, all of that, how you respond to that should match this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am complete in Him. I lack nothing in Him. In Him, I am everything I will ever need to be. Amen? See, because otherwise, you're trying to live up to it. And how's that working for you? Not so good, right? This puts it back on the finished work of Christ. You acknowledge in my spirit, God has done a complete work. Now, how can I put on in my mind and live from that? That's the mystery, but that's the power. When you were dead in your circumcision, so when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way. He nailed it to his cross. God's holding nothing against you. That's what it's saying. This is the fulfillment of the promise of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, that when this new covenant come, part of the new covenant promise is God is no longer holding your sin against you. Are you kidding me? God, but I, my life is really hard. Why are you letting this in my life? I've been really good, you self-righteous thing. Let go of that mentality and realize he's not, he's not playing chess with your life. That's a big hurdle for people. I can see it. I can just see it. And then he also dealt with any other dark forces as well. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The devil ain't got nothing on you. The devil, I don't care how bad you sin, the devil has no right in your life. Amen? Amen. No right in your family. No right in your house. Now, you might still stay religious and think that you, all of this stuff is giving place for the devil, and in your defeatist mentality and in your disqualifying yourself through your own behavior, you might say, okay, I feel really bad about myself. Mr. Devil, you want to tell me some things about myself that keeps me feeling really bad about myself? You're going to find that stuff. That, that place of inner balance, 
It's like it will bring you back up to the level that you believe that you are or it will bring you down to the level that you believe that you are. And your heart is hearing and constantly listening to everything. And what it believes about itself, what you believe about you, is what you're going to seek out and find. That's why you end up in the same kind of dead-end jobs. That's why you end up in the same kind of horrible relationships. It's why you end up in the same broke place in your heart, I mean, in your bank account. We bring ourselves back down because God is constantly trying to lead us out of all of that stuff. Are you with me? You good? Are you thinking? I can tell that you're thinking. It's true. I mean, you know, I, it's, a, it's a lot. Because I can... So what's happening is some detox is happening. It's like, now, if that's true, then what does that mean about this and this and this and this and this? And you got to reorganize some of those pieces and all that junk that you've been taught. It's not that I've got it worked out. It's not that this church has everything worked out and we're the perfect one. But we're just putting it all back on the finished work of Jesus. And we're placing you in this place of block number one. Doctrine number one to start from is you're complete in Him. Jesus has paid the price. You are complete in Him. Now, let me go from there and deal with everything else in my life. That's got to be the internal starting place. Regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you think, regardless of what your grandmama taught you. Seriously, it's got to come back to that. So this is, uh, these are the steps here of, you know, and this is just a suggestion. I made this up. You all right with that? Am I, am I, is, am I allowed to make stuff up? All this is is just a suggestion of how for you to take a couple of steps to engage in this detox process. Specific, see, now, in general, you start to feel better about yourself and God, like you're not worried that he's going to cast you out of heaven because you, you, know, you ate a second cookie or whatever. I mean, you know what I mean. Relate it to whatever your thing is. It's all the same. Uh, this is a suggestion. So you think of the toxic belief, behavior, emotion. And you admit, this is a problem. I don't want this in my life. And you say, do I want this in my life? And then you ask yourself, how does God see me in this? Now, if you're thinking about that repetitive, destructive behavior and sin in your life, and then you say, how does God see me in this? And God goes, ah! <laughs> Time to detox a little bit. But if he goes, yeah, not so good, man. I love you. I paid the price for you. I'm not holding anything against you. I don't want this in your life. It's killing you. It's separating you and your own heart and your mind from me. Come this way. That's God's response. He absolutely acknowledges that it's bad for you. And you might feel bad when he acknowledges it. But he'll lead you out into that place where you know and you remember who you are. This is a huge one. What do I need to believe about myself in light of my new creation reality? And then you speak it out. So think about that for a minute. Think about the area that you struggle and then think about this. What do I need to believe about myself to not struggle with this thing anymore? I'm not, I'm not saying what do I need to do to fix myself, but ask it this way. If I believed this about myself, I wouldn't struggle with that thing anymore. If this were true of me, 
I wouldn't struggle with that anymore. And then you go and you look at yourself through the eyes of the Lord and you find a promise that matches what Jesus has done for you and you sit within that. I am this in him. And as that becomes a reality for you, guess what? You, it's your, everything else starts to match who you are. You ever seen anybody with a amnesia, like temporary amnesia? I told this in the first service, and they got really depressed because they thought amnesia was like forever. But there is temporary amnesia. I guess, it's, I guess that's what you call it. But I remember in high school, I was wrestling, and I went down to the locker room to get ready for practice, and there was a guy in there that had gotten hit in football practice. And he was down there, and he, he didn't know where he was. He didn't know his name. He didn't know who was with him. He didn't know anything. I mean, he bar- it was like over and over and over. And it was kind of funny, but this is, this is what he did. He would sit there and he'd go, now what happened? And the coach would say, you got hit in football practice. Oh, oh, oh. oh. well, who hit me? It was Jason. And he, every time he would say, well, that figures. Because Jason was the guy that would do that to you in practice. Every time, like 20 times. Now what happened? You got hit. Now, who hit me? Jason. Oh, that figures. Every time, same exact response. Then he would say, gosh, I just can't remember. It's like, well, do I have a girlfriend? <laughs> and, the, and the coach would go, well, yeah. Well, what's her name? Her name's Jennifer. Well, is she pretty? <laughs> Every time. There's like a series, like 20 times he went through the same questions over and over and over. Now, the reality was all of that stuff was true, independent from his experience of it. He got hit one time, but he asked about it 20 times. One guy hit him, but he asked about it 20 times. He had a girlfriend. She was pretty, but he didn't know. You know are you with me? See, this is how we are spiritually. We have forgotten who we are. We've taken the trauma of our past, the trauma of religion that says you're not enough. And we're asking, the, we're running the same cycles and same patterns because we're just stuck. We just can't get it. And so for him, what had happened is he got hit so hard that his brain had slightly turned and it had swollen a little bit and it was pushing on the back of his skull. We found out later the doctors had told us what was going on. They did an x-ray. For us, our heart is, you know, it's kind of hard to define what the heart is, but there's an aspect of us that's just slightly skewed in our perception of who God is in us. And we allow it to, on this side, disrupt who we really are. We forget who we are. It's what happens. We don't know who we are. If you did, you would operate and make choices that way. And we've all heard the example. We always talk about money, right? If you were a Gates, right, Bill Gates kid, but you didn't know it, and Gates has got like this fund set up for you, and you can go on over there and get as much money out as you want, but you don't know, or you're the prodigal son out eating the pig slop, I almost got you on that one there. You see that? <laughs> are you with me? It's hard to believe that you are perfect. Say, say I am perfect. perfect. How do you feel? Good. It's hard, isn't it? Now try this one. I am holy. Lightning's gone. No lightning. <laughs> try this one. I am righteous. Now, I would say we should add this in him or because of him, right? It's not in and of yourself. But how do you feel when you say that? 
Oh, try this one. I am out of debt. Well, you guys got kind of louder on that one. <laughs> Would you offer FPU in the financial peace universe? You know, there is a reality that you already are. It's just you owning it and putting it on in your mind. And then life looks like what it did for Jesus, and that is you just follow God. <coughs> there is no lack. There is no disease that he is seeking to put on you. There is no blessing that he is seeking to withhold from you. There is no knowledge that God has that is not available to you in Christ. There is no answer that God needs you to trial and tribulation through to get to. There is no change in your behavior that is not already in seed form within you if you don't nurture it into existence. It's already true of you. Why are we disconnected from living within that reality? It's because we think that we are still the old man. And then you've got a religious con construct built on top of your head that you're walking around trying to carry that keeps telling you, you are not enough. And in him you are. Because that's what he's done. He knew. He knew you couldn't do it. So he lifted it off. Now, you persuade your heart. Own it in your mind. And that's how, it's how it works. You can't change it outwardly. You've tried. Doesn't work. You know, transformation is noticed. You, you know, you just kind of, well, I just don't blow up anymore. I just noticed that we got a little extra money at the end of the month now. Every, when Sarah and I were young, we would try and do a budget, and it never made sense. We never had enough money coming in to pay all the bills, yet we always paid the bills. It was the weirdest thing. I could not explain it. Now we do a budget, and it makes sense. But back then, you know, it just didn't make sense. But we were always gave. We always gave through the process. Now, did giving qualify us for that? No. Giving put ourselves in our heart in a place where we could just trust God and not worry about it. You put your, your mind in that spiritual place. And it is a detox process, and it can, it can be a struggle. But you're detoxing to a place where you already are rather than trying to get there. Amen? Now, I hope that you got something out of this that you can take home and put on in your mind and in your heart because it's already true of you in your spirit. And we talk about this all the time, but I, I know how things click, even for myself. Things click, and it's like, oh, gosh, I've been quoting that scripture for 20 years. You're telling me that's what it means now? It means that in that moment, right? It's life in that moment. His word is alive. I don't know. I, you know, I, I just, I just want to make sure that we sit within that. I want to make sure that we walk out of here realizing, okay, there is, I am complete in him, and I can own that reality. And the way that it works is then I rest and that seed that he's put in me bears fruit after its own kind. It's just how it works. It's just how it works. His seed will bear fruit. His word will bear fruit in your life. That's why you discipline yourself. That's why you pray and worship and all this. So it's out of relationship, but it's also to give time to let that seed grow. You know, one of the biggest things you need is patience and confidence. Just sit within it and trust. Amen. Well, all right. Thank you, Father, so much for the opportunity to come together and just remind ourselves to renew our hearts, to just be refreshed in you, to shift our perspective and our focus back on you. Father, may this place be full. May it be full of people who are detoxing from religion. May it be full of people who are 
discovering your value for them, the price that you paid for them, and the depth of the love that you have for them. Father, I'm convinced that as we grow in our knowledge of who we are in you, we will show this world your true desire for what the body, your body, Christ's body in this planet looks like. And it'll just be a natural outflow of our relationship with you and our acknowledgement of what Jesus accomplished. Jesus, we trust you. You know, maybe you're in this place and, and you don't know if you're born again or you don't know if God's in you. You can just begin this process. It really, it's a one-time decision. There's not a magic prayer, but just if it's something for the first time that you feel like that you're doing, just acknowledge to Jesus, I'm willing to believe that what you did was for me. I may not understand how it all works, but I trust Jesus that you came here, that God became a human, died my death, destroyed the, the, the law, what the law had against me. You destroyed the grave and the enemy, and you rose again with your own life blood to cleanse me, and I trust you. I trust that what you did was for me. You know, and if, that's, if you've made that decision for the first time, Meet me back there by the coffee and we'll talk. I'll give you some stuff to read. But otherwise, Jesus, we acknowledge you one last time. When we walk out of this place, we, will, we, we admit that we are complete in you and we will trust you to lead and guide us of how to live that completeness outwardly to bring you glory. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.